Uh, we have a really special um, and long-awaited. Um, we got a little heat for not for not doing this podcast in the proper record order. We have the Sacramento Kings summer preview, limited upside coming at you here. Uh, let's see. We were joined by a couple of Sacktown royalty, our uh, not just Sacktown royalty, but our NBA community for SB Nation. As always, as we go through these these summer accounts previews of kind of what's going to go on this uh, this season and also reviews of uh, the draft and, and free agency etc and this uh this week we had tony zipteris and akis Eurocostis, two guys who sound like they could have been playing for the kings but actually they are the writers uh for sacktown royalty anyhow it was a great time talking about all things kings it's always a a fun fan base and amusing fan base but please before you do any of the listening here just remember subscribe Please rate, review, all those things. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find us on, I don't know, anywhere you find us on our, our website, on SB Nation backslash NBA. We're going to go up on the website. You'll see us on Sacktown Royalty for this one and all the different team sites. So there's plenty of ways to find us on platform and wherever you find your podcasts. Um, again, enjoy this. We talk uh, a little bit in the beginning about the Boogie Show, what Boogie Cousins means to the franchise, the new stadium, Jaeger, all those things that are kind of new to the Kings, and then where they're going, what it means to be a Sacramento Kings fan, rooting for a team of, of interesting personalities who some now have some legal issues. We get into all that. Um, two really interesting guys who really know their Kings and kind of feel like the fan base. If there's any way I can describe it is that their mood really is what I would describe as what it feels like to be a Sacramento King. So without, uh, without any further ado... Limited Upside Podcast. Shut up and sit down. All right, we are back with the long-awaited Sacramento Kings podcast. We again apologize for going out of order, although technically we kind of didn't, if you want to get technical. But anyway, let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. I want to introduce our two guests. We have from the fantastic site Sacktown Royal, uh, Royalty. We have Akis Eurocostas, uh, the managing editor, and Tony Zipteris, the contributing writer. Guys, how you doing? Doing well. How are I'm you doing guys? great. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. I know we took we took some heat, I guess, from people about the the scheduling uh, that Mike had kind of just laid out about you know, how we were going in reverse order of standings and, and drafts, et cetera. But uh, I'm glad we got to make this happen. This is a New York to the some West Coast here. We got we have some boots on the ground right now in Sacramento, right? Tony, are you there? No, I'm not. I am actually no. in Boston. Boston, and then and then, Akis, where are you? I'm I'm near Sacramento, yeah. Okay, good. So we have okay, cool. So we got some representation from from out west, uh, making the time difference work. But I mean, one of the it's it's impossible. There's kind of like this. I'm glad it's Boston to Sacramento. There's this gravitational pull of like one guy, and we should start all of our Kings conversation off with. I suppose it'd be hard not to. It's been sort of the summer of Boogie. He's a gold medal winner at this point. I mean, what else is um, what else can you say about the man other than he is a, an American champion? Um, can you talk about kind of where you guys stand right now in the current state of Boogie, and then we'll just make that go right into the current state of the franchise where we sit this summer? Uh, well, where to begin? Um, it's kind of a big <laughs> question with this team right now is how how much longer is the DeMarcus Cousins era? Now, I've 
I've pretty publicly expressed that I think the Kings should trade him, even though I think he's by far the best player on the team and we're not going to get equal value. But I just think that the chaos of the past five, six years has kind of ruined any potential building of the franchise around him. It's just very hard to find a way where we turn it around enough in the next year before his contract goes up. I think he has two years left. So this year and then the next year where he's going to want to sign an extension and we're going to start seeing some upward momentum. Yeah. uh, Just to add on to that, um, I was sort of on the opposite side with the cousin stuff. I was and have been up till this point uh, behind not trading cousins for the same reasons, uh, sort of, in that the Kings can't really get fair value at this point. Um, but I don't know if you guys heard Dave Yeager's podcast with Zach Lowe from last week. And Yeager sort of, uh, yeah, Yeager in that podcast is sort of, sort of changed my mind a little bit on the cousin stuff because he mentioned uh, the word reset, which is not a Kings fan's favorite words. Uh, he also mentioned that the season was not going to be about wins and losses again. And even though... Um, just looking at the roster, you can kind of see that the Kings may not be a playoff contender this season again. Uh, they're just kind of running out of time with DeMarcus Cousins, and it's unfortunate that they've sort of squandered his prime, but that is sort of where things are headed. I don't think the timelines are going to match up here where DeMarcus Cousins is still in his prime and under contract and when the Kings are ready to win. It does feel like, you mentioned that you changed your mind this summer. It does feel like, from the outside, a lot of Kings fans maybe haven't changed their mind about like kind of the boogie narrative, but they're starting to see that there is a reason that that narrative took hold. It's like, this is the year in the summer that it's finally like a lot of people are fed up with some of the stuff he's been doing are starting to see that maybe it's time to move on. There's much less I've found of like defending the guys. Oh, he's just a misunderstood player. And you know, it's not his fault what's going on. And he's the most valuable asset we have, blah, blah, blah. Akis, am I reading that correctly? Partly, but what's interesting is that I don't want to trade him because of any of those reasons where I think he's been malcontent in the locker room or anything. That's not the reason I would want to trade him. I do think some of that is overblown, and I think he's been absolutely fantastic in the community, uh, which gets a little underplayed because he doesn't seek out the attention. The reason I think the Kings need to move on is just the time. I don't think they have time. And I think the the thing that terrifies me is if the Kings think that they can go into next year with maybe the, maybe they get a better record this year and they're having some momentum, and then they think they could go into next year and not trading him and trying to convince him to stay, and then he walks for nothing. If he ends up leaving Sacramento for nothing, <laughs> I think it will be the biggest disaster in – one of the biggest disasters in franchise <laughs> history because we've spent all this time, all this invested time, and we would get no- nothing to show for it. It's not a situation like Kevin Durant where you have proven, okay, this guy can take you to the NBA Finals. This guy's taking you to the NBA Finals. This well, That's a risk we're willing to take. In Sacramento, we haven't even been to the playoffs with Cousins. Well, so but, but what what is the franchise doing for him that makes – a franchise player, I guess, so to speak, someone who needs like offshoots to be there, the compensatory parts to make him 
stand atop the you know that that pillar. Um, and you could see he's 26 years old, similar to a situation you know Mike and I talked about a couple of podcasts ago about John Wall. They're in these weird phases in their career where they don't have much to show for themselves yet, but they want to be thought of in that that top echelon. But what is the franchise doing? to make Boogie Cousins feel like, well, now we're moving in the direction. Because when you hear, you know, restarts and, and you hear those kind of those words that make you feel like like wins don't matter, stuff like that, that's a different, obviously, a different trajectory and a different way in which this is going. But what 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 is the franchise doing around him? It seems like the pieces they're adding, this is where we'll get to the kind of the, the whole world of, of the Kings at the moment. The pieces that they're putting around him this summer don't speak like long-term anything to me. A Flalo, uh, Ty Lawson, these are... Uh, drafting another center, um, obviously having a lot of big men around him on the roster at this point. Tony, why don't you tell me what what you think they're doing for him that makes Boogie Cousins want to be a Sacramento King? That's the kind of the problem is that the Kings have failed to build around Boogie uh, previously. And right now, as you guys mentioned, the the players they added this offseason, I wouldn't necessarily call them complimentary pieces to DeMarcus Cousins. And their draft, above anything else, is, uh, you know, I'm not saying that um, Papianis or Skull are directly replacing Cousins, but you don't draft two project big men <laughs> if you're trying to build a roster to compete for the playoffs this season around your right. current man. This is another part of the the problem with the time and on the chaos of the last five years. The best players Cousins has ever played with are Isaiah Thomas and Rudy Gay. And one of those guys might have been a building block and we gave him up for nothing. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. We got the rights to Alex Oriaki in a trade exception for Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> uh, who, made, who made the All-Star team last year. Uh, and now we are in desperate search of a point guard and we signed Ty Lawson. So, um, yeah, I just don't have any faith in the team to surround him with the talent and time to keep him. So at this point, I feel like we're kind of in a standing ground until the team figures out what it wants to do exactly. I, I want to take a step back with Cousins because I think it's so important to analyze Cousins within the context of his situation, but also not let this the context of his situation kind of bail him out, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a classic case of sort of two two wrongs kind of making a bigger wrong. So they've never really built around him properly, but he's also been a pain in the butt to coaches. He's never quite, with the exception of a short stretch with Mike Malone that they stupidly fired him for he's never kind of really locked in as that franchise leader 100 percent all the time that doesn't blow up at his coach doesn't blow up at officials that doesn't display frankly consistent effort and i thought you know as great as his numbers were this past year i just was not did not give proper effort defensively I, i don't think that he was trying hard on that end i think he was not in great shape i don't think the system did any favors but you know when you're the best player on the team you these things cannot be happening to you and so i to what i guess my long-winded question while bringing that all up is is what to what extent is everything that i said kind of right or wrong in the eyes of many sacramento fans as we kind of we're at this kind of place that you guys have described where maybe too little too late like what to what degree should DeMarcus Cousins be blamed for his own this own situation that has happened? And to what degree do you think it's Sacramento that has failed to put uh, the right kind of mix around him that has kind of been constantly in flux ownership-wise, constantly in flux with coaches, with front office, with player acquisitions, like, you know, all of the stuff that you hear about all the time? Uh, what To what degree is do, you, do Sacramento thinks that that kind of storyline involving those two players is accurate or not? 
Well, Cousins definitely hasn't done himself any favors um, with his behavior in his first five years. Uh, I can definitely agree with that. It's um, I would liken it to a negative feedback loop, wherein mm-hmm. Cousins <laughs> misbehaves, and then the roster does something stupid, so that Cousins gets angry and doesn't play well, and then it just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats, and it snowballs out of control. Um, so if he had the personality of say an Anthony Davis or Carl Anthony Towns or guys that, yeah, their teams might be struggling, but they go ahead and they don't complain ever. And they're consummate professionals on and off the court. And um, the and other Kentucky power forwards, just the other Correct. Kentucky guys. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. So he has definitely not helped that. Even though I think he has matured a little bit from where he was, he's definitely still got his moments where you wonder, is it worth the trouble? And I know a lot of Kings fans have given up on that part of um, watching him and hate seeing him loaf back on defense when he doesn't get his way or, or when the officials call foul and he'll storm off or do something completely stupid um, and that was unnecessary. And it's like at this point in his career, it should, that should not be happening. Cousins is certainly not without blame. I do think the Kings have done a great disservice to him and, and really fostered his, his bad habits. I mean, they've, they've given Cousins every excuse to act out. and That's not giving Cousins a pass, but, you know, it's, it's so tough. And, and I think the fan base is reflecting that. I think if you look at STR and different polls we've ran, I know we ran a poll not too long ago. And I think the numbers are sort of showing that most of the fan base, I shouldn't say most, half, which is a lot more than it was, <laughs> is certainly blaming Cousins a lot more than they used to. It's tough. Once the public sentiment changes on a guy, especially a young guy like Cousins, who's still a young dude, and very impressionable. He feels like an emotional cat. I mean, that that seems to be the case, at least. Uh, that can be difficult. I'm seeing a lot of that with my my Philadelphia 76ers. I feel for Okafor and Noel just having their names in rumors so much because their lives are going to be in flux. Um, I guess that leads us to like the the complexion of the roster a little bit. I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because it, it's it feels like there's like a, a sentiment. Um, I know I think, I think it was Agus or Tony, one of you guys brought this up before the podcast. We kind of wanted to talk about just what it, what it means to root for this team. The sentiment going around the signings of uh, Lawson and Barnes. Now Darren Collison, I think, was found guilty No, as of today or yesterday. Um, is that A few correct? days ago. A few days ago? He ple- okay. Yeah, he pled guilty. Pled guilty. Pled guilty, pled guilty um, for some domestic violence. Um, so the off-court problems are building up you know, for the Kings. Um so is this something that, because you live in, in Sacramento, is this something that the fan base is talking about, like outside of the actual how many games will they win this year, but like who this team actually is to root for? Well, I definitely see some frustration, especially on our website with the kind of hmm. when you sign when you sign a guy like Matt Barnes, and then on top of that, you have Darren Carlson getting um, those domestic violence charges, and then you sign Ty Lawson. And then you hear your franchise talking about how they want to add professionalism and character and do things the right way. And you're like, well, are they really doing that? <laughs> um, but then I see um, uh, on our website someone wrote a fan post. And it was like, well, is it really us rooting against these people because we don't like them? Or is it just 
that we're losing and we're adding these people and we, mm. we wouldn't care if they were winning. And then the comparison they drew was with Chris Webber, who has had multiple allegations and yep. mishaps uh, during his career while he was in Sacramento. Yep. Um, and we still, to this day, most Kings fans love Chris Webber. Yep. So does the national audience. People people adore Chris Webber. He's he's a TNT. Mike's a huge TNT Chris Webber fan. You guys like him on TNT? Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's. I think good. he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he's definitely one of the better better people. Yeah, he's, he's like a really smart, well spoken dude. So it's it's interesting that you're right. But maybe that's the, the difference is sort of uh, the winning and losing. That usually is is everything in sports, right? Like. If Ray Rice was, you know, 28 years old or 27 years old, he would have found a team. Uh, but he was 30 and over the hill in his 40 was shot and he couldn't play anymore. The, the idea of, you know, the punishment and the player usually are a lot different than in circumstances. Um, but well, it shouldn't be that way. But it, it shouldn't. But that's I, unfortunately football. I mean, the, I also think the Kings as an organization have not in basketball. Earned, yeah, I also think the Kings as an organization have not earned the benefit of the doubt. Right. Um, on some of these, on some of these. Also, I mean, look again. We got to go back to it. Cousins. It would be wrong to kind of draw a firm connection between Cousins and some of this stuff. But I mean, again, if you're looking for this team more than any, probably needs a clear sort of calmer influence. You know, and higher character players around their star. Even though they're obviously there's huge differences between what what cousins is just kind of a tough person to work with. And these people have, you know, done a lot more sinister stuff, but, um, I think that's also a big reason why. And can I just add one thing to that real quick? I just want to say to the credit, they did add a couple guys that I think are really good locker room presences this year with, uh, Anthony Tolliver and Garrett Temple, both of whom won that, um, players union award for teammate mm-hmm. of the year, which I thought was interesting that they both won that and the Kings went out and, kind of got those guys for that veteran presence so those signings i really like for the locker room it just seemed very at odds with the other guys they signed yeah i garrett temple is one of my all-time favorites i think he's uh one of those guys great everybody in the wizards loved him so absolutely but on a basketball sense uh last year the kings were playing a style that i think we all agree was not well suited to their star player there was a lot of instability in coaching a lot of people thought george carl checked out you know, two years ago, it looked like they were sort of building towards a style of play, and then they fire Mike Malone. They try to go more up tempo, and it fails. They try to do the same again this past year, and Cousins is not in good enough shape to do it. It doesn't maximize his game. Rajon, Rajon Rondo put up big time numbers, but really didn't try defensively. And so, what? And then they, uh, they let go of George Carl. Dave Yeager. I think a lot of people were surprised that Dave Yeager came into this situation, uh, given I his was. success with Memphis. It sounds like it was a real coup for them to pick him up, and they make the based on what the hiring of Dave Yeager and the offseason moves they made. Like, what kind of team uh, do you guys think this is going to be this year? Like, how do they find their most success on the court? I would just say you have to look at the Grizzlies and the way they played with the grit and grind, and I think Yeager is going to slow things down a lot. Um, I mean, we were. I think we led the league in pace last year. Um, I'm not certain off the top of my head, but I. Uh, yeah, we were. I just saw it. We led the league in pace. Obviously, that's not great with Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> um, and now we've added even more big men. And I think the best way to maximize the talent on this team is to slow things down, get more defensive oriented, and I think that's what we're going to see from Dave Yeager. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I was very surprised that we got him. 
and very happy to say the least because I think he was a higher quality coach than a lot of the names that we were seeing on the list at one point uh, Mike Bibby's dad was on our coaching list Henry, uh, <laughs> Henry. USC's yeah. finest yes exactly <laughs> and so when we got Jaeger that was a I felt that was a coup um, so I'm going to be very interested to see how he implements his system with Cousins uh, and the rest of these guys and see if we can start going a little bit back towards how we were building when Mike Malone was in charge. Uh, a lot of Kings fans have been comparing what Jaeger's saying. It's very Mike Malone-esque. Um, Mike Malone has probably the best reputation of any coach that hasn't won 30 games in Sacramento history. <laughs> oh, we love Mike. And, and yeah. there, there are a lot of those coaches too, sadly. Sadly, 30, yes. <laughs> Sub-30 win ones. Well, I mean, Rick so, Adelman's the only one with a 500 record, so. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And yeah. They, so they won, what, 33 games last season? Is that right? Yes, most since 2007, I believe. Baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, do you uh, – we'll get to it later. We'll get to what you think the projections will be. But um, if that's, we'll save for the end. We'll do, like, how many uh, games you think they'll win and all, and all kinds of good, fun predictions because the Kings have – Quite a few uh, things that could could happen this season. Um, I also say that this this variable, and I have to bring it up because every time we talk to a uh, franchise that is intertwined with my Sixers, I bring it up. But the ability to swap first round picks with the Kings um, is an interesting little subplot um, that that will be weighing on the season, I'm sure as well. You don't want to tank too much, right? That's the interesting thing about the Kings is that you know they have so <laughs> many draft draft <laughs> restrictions at this point. They really. <laughs> They can't tank. I mean, they have. There's no purpose in tanking. They have yeah. to play. So their right. projections. They might win more games than than we think because they're actually going to try down the stretch this year. Whereas, I mean, yeah. in the last year, they they kind of needed to not win to secure that pick. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's it's so funny because like I, when I hear that that comment, like you know, we don't care about the wins and losses. It's like, well, I, I do. I was a Sixers fan. That I I for sure do. That's great to hear that. Um, but like, uh, Sonia, I think they will be. Better than the Sixers, I'll put that on the table. Probably, I would, probably I would like hope 10 games. so. But yeah, right. It's not, I'm not even going to say that's going to be in the same discussion. Well, they also have the new arena coming, right? So yeah, they kind of so need to win same. this year, and they've been building to this year. The number one question, I think, basketball wise, that a lot of people want to know, and, and you know, I'll ask this to Tony: is who's starting at point guard? Well, assuming Darren Collison receives some sort of suspension, and we've all been comparing it to the Jeffrey Taylor. 24 game suspension for sort of a similar, yeah. similar issue. Uh, I mean, it's probably Ty Lawson at least for the first 20, 20 games, handful of games. Uh, the general consensus seems to be that Darren Collison will eventually take that spot, and he should. He's better. The thing with Collison is that ever since he went to the Kings, when he's healthy, he's actually played really well. He outplayed Rondo last year. Uh, he was excellent in his first year as a King. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and now, of course, he has this you know, pretty, pretty big suspension looming. Yeah. Yeah. What about Temple? No, no burn for him. Well, uh, I think he's going to have to see some play. Yeah. Player, uh, especially with that suspension, but I don't think that's going to be like a long-term thing. Right. Right. Fair. And so that is so barren. I mean, <laughs> Ty Lawson uh, last year was just such a disaster. I, I, it, I must say that I don't think Ty Lawson really impressed once he got out of Houston with Indiana. I mean, I know it's it's funny the coach that wanted Ty Lawson is now no longer the coach. So, man, I I why didn't they do something to do more to that position? I mean, they they knew that Collison had this allegation 
and they knew that that was a possibility. Like they can't, they couldn't have possibly thought that this is enough to play a point guard. I know Rondo was Mr. Empty Stats last year, but I mean, they really didn't kind of go after some of the, like, why didn't they keep Seth Curry, for example? I mean, he could have helped them there. I mean, they really thought that this was their best option, a point guard this year. Well, that's the question a lot of us were asking um, pretty much most of the summer is what the heck's going on with point guard. And in the draft, especially when you get three first round picks, you're figuring, okay, somewhere here, we're going to figure out um, what our point guard spot is. I remember when I heard about the trade of the eighth pick to Phoenix, I'm like, oh, cool. We're probably going to get Brandon Knight or something. And then I saw it was no, it's just for more picks and a shooting guard next year in Bogdan Bogdanovich, who a lot of Kings fans are kind of excited about. Um, But then we see guys go go off the board, like Chris Dunn would have been. uh, We wouldn't have traded the eight pick if Chris Dunn had we gone still there. Uh, And then um, I'm blanking on his name. There was a guy that a lot of Kings fans thought we were going to draft a point guard. I think he went to the Grizzlies. Wade Baldwin. Uh, Wade, Baldwin yes. from Vanderbilt, yeah. Baldwin. He's the only guy in the top picks that went to um, the Kings to work out this year. And we were like, oh, that guy's probably a shoo-in if, we're, if he's there at 12 or 13, wherever we picked Papa Giannis. And then Papa Giannis got picked. I'm like, what? I didn't even know who it was. I thought, oh, I know that's a Greek name. But uh, <laughs> is he a point guard I don't know about? And then I see him on TNT or – ESPN or whatever, and it says seven foot two, and I'm like, uh, that doesn't make sense. And <laughs> then we draft a shooting guard, and that, who can't really shoot. And Ma- then we draft Malachi Richardson. Yes, sub forty percent in college. Uh, from very young though, still raw. Very young, yes. Could, um, and then Scalabissier, who I think was is the rookie that a lot of us are most excited about, especially yeah. after seeing the summer league. But, yeah, no point guard until we took the 59th pick on Isaiah Cousins, who's not really a point guard and won't make the team. I just, uh, I'm just stunned. I, I, like, I know that a lot of Kings fans might think that we're just kind of harping on negativity with the Kings. But, I mean, in addition to all the big men you had, you mentioned, they still have Kosa Kufis, who's a pretty good player. Well, I can't player. believe hasn't been traded yet, to be honest. Yeah, yeah they, ha- they still have Willie Cauley-Stein, last year's first-round pick, who showed some nice little flashes and probably deserves some playing time. So... I'm just amazed that they are this barren at point guard. Yeah, I don't think that was plan A by any stretch. I think they they wanted to trade Rudy Gay or Costa Kufas to fill that spot, and they just they just didn't. They just they either didn't or they couldn't. I mean, there was also rumors that they were trying to get Nikolaitis uh, back from Europe. So those little rumors that you hear during the summer, you can kind of tell that uh, Ty Lawson was not their first option. Kind of the only one that was left. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'm thinking that they're trying to go into just keep it okay this year and then next year go all out either in the draft if they still have their draft pick or <laughs> through a trade or free agency where the point guard market's a little bit better than it was this year. It was not great um, for available point guards this year. Well, next year's draft is is chocked full of supposedly uh, great you know five-star recruits, et cetera, that are all point guards. So. And they don't have a pick. What's that? And they don't have a pick. 
And then they, well, they they might not. Yeah, we'll they see. might not have a pick. Yeah, but I was gonna say we'll Sixers. That would be great for the Sixers. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's it, the timing, Mike. It's all working out. Trust the process. Um, uh, you brought up uh, Tony. You brought up Rudy Gay. I think we should probably hit on that. I know he had a quote uh, recently. Uh, read in Sacktown Royalty here. Uh, it says, I, "I think I want some kind of consistency, and we don't have that here at all." We got a, a fan question from uh, at No Carter Carter with a K. Um, how does Rudy Gay fit trade bait? So Tony, what do you think Rudy Gay's uh, full season trajectory is? Is it entirely on the Kings? Well, I, I think that still like to trade him. I don't think Rudy Gay and DeMarcus Cousins necessarily complement each other. Uh, with that being said, Rudy Gay has been so great here off the court. I think the fans respect him a lot. Uh, the media respects him a lot that you have a player who says that he kind of wants to leave and everyone's kind of like, yeah, he should be saying that he should be saying that he wants to leave (laughs) instead of criticizing him for, you know, I mean, if cousins made a comment like that, uh, a lot of people would react a lot differently, but Rudy Gay's earned that. (laughs) Very good point. (laughs) Respect, I guess. Um, But I, you know, they're, they would like to trade him if they could. That's the feeling I get because there's so many holes elsewhere on the roster. Omri Caspi has played pretty well at small forward. I'm not saying he's a long-term you know, <laughs> option at starting small forward, but they have Caspi and Barnes now. Uh, they could fill the gap there at least until next year if they can get an asset for Gay before the trade deadline this year. That sounds like a, a law firm that you could call for mesothelioma. Casper um, and Barnes. I don't know if for some reason. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, uh, Alec, Alec, you want to say something? Uh, Alec, I know you want to say something as well. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say that Rudy. I feel like he and the Kings have kind of already mutually parted ways in a little, in a sense. But the, the hard part is finding a good fit where, because the Kings aren't just gonna give him up for nothing if they can actually get something of value, but. Spending this summer trying to figure out a trade for Rudy Gay has been horrible. I mean, you, I'm looking at these teams. I'm like, why? Okay, this would work for a Kings, but why does this team want Rudy Gay? Or the why does this? Why would Rudy Gay fit here? Right. And it just the salaries don't match. I think the big thing that's most likely going to happen is probably he'll start the season in Sacramento. Um, if he's playing well, that's great. But I think the Kings are still going to try to move him by the deadline, um, especially things should heat up around December 15th when guys that are uh, signed the summer are able to be traded because that puts a lot more options on the table for the mm-hmm. Kings and other teams. They need to find the leverage point again because they, they, they kind of lost it. Yep. Maybe an injury early in the season, something like that, to a veteran team who thinks that they need to compete this year. That might help. This stuff happens all the time. The Eagles just got a first and a fourth round draft pick because Teddy Bridgewater had a terrible knee injury. These things happen. I'm a, I'm a little surprised nobody is. I mean, I guess Are you, really if, you're like? a point, if you're a point guard and if you're a team that, that you know needs to gay, you probably don't have a point guard to trade. I'm just... He wasn't that bad last year. I know he was down, um, but he can play three and four in a pinch. There aren't that many guys in the league that can do that. He only has one year left on his contract. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised they haven't gotten anything for him. But then it is like you guys have said, like where where is a team that makes sense? Yeah. Well, and the there's also question. his contract status too, where he's got mm-hmm. a player option for next season. So anything mm-hmm. that – uh, any team that trades for him has to think he's probably going to opt out of this contract and we're going to either have to pay more to get, keep him or possibly lose him for nothing. So why spend a lot of money now when I could potentially go out and get him next offseason? 
Yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised that like Dallas, for example, doesn't didn't say, you know what, one year of Rudy Gay is better than ninety four million for four years for Harrison Barnes or you know, <laughs> just just one of these teams like looked at the kind of market for these these combo forwards and didn't say like, you know what, it's not the worst thing in the world if that we have that short term commitment. Like kinda like what the Knicks did with Derrick Rose in terms of like, well, the point guard market stinks, so we're just gonna get one year Derrick Rose. Uh, We'll see. There's still time. Well, this is how this plays out: is that Carmelo has like his knee gets banged up again, and you know he's out for an undisclosed amount of time, and then boom, the Knicks have a first round draft pick finally next year, and they're like, "We need Rudy Gay," and and then the Kings get their their coveted mid round draft pick they can spend on another big man from Europe, and the Knicks yeah, get I'm their this. the Knicks get their Rudy Gay. It's like a full basketball circle. Uh, we can get Seth and um, you guys can come on. He wanted to thank you guys by the way for Aaron, Aaron Aflalo. He he hates Aaron Aflalo ir- ir- irrationally, and, and and Mike and I are not. I would say somewhat rationally, but okay. <laughs> shooting guard with a heartbeat because that's all we care about. Yeah, at this point, no, after I... seeing Marco Bellinelli shoot worse from three than Demarcus Cousins last year. <laughs> oh man, not a bad contract for Aaron Aflalo. No, no, good, a good contract. But a good yeah, contract. He, he will drive you crazy this year, I think. We'll a lot see. of long twos. Lot That's of long what people twos. said about Rudy Gay, and we actually, Sacramento fans, love Rudy Gay uh, for <laughs> nice. the most part. He's been pretty good in Sacramento. Um, we'll see how Aflalo fits, but yeah, that shooting guard position was a nightmare last year. Do you think Macklemore takes any steps forward this season? I just wrote about that today, actually. Okay. Um, I feel like it's kind of too late for him, mm. um, but... I would really hope that he could become like a good three and D player. I, he just needs to become consistent. Now, Too late one for him thing, in Sacramento or in or in general to play in the NBA, like be an NBA player. Well, here's the thing: is it could be either because hmm. I know there were reports earlier this year about how the Kings and Macklemore were done and they were going to trade him, and then nothing happened with that. And the only reason I can think of why is no one wanted to spend even a second round pick on Ben Mclemore. Hmm. Uh if I can, I mean I can think of maybe two or three teams that if Mclemore was cut right now would maybe sign him. The Sixers would probably Sixers. do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh yeah. the Knicks would probably do it and maybe one other team just yeah. to throw a flyer out there. But he really needs to develop some consistency. He regressed a lot last year um and then the team was like okay, we're going to get some real veteran help at shooting guard because Macklemore's not working out. Bellinelli didn't work out. And so I compared him a little today. If he can somehow turn his career around like Danny Green mm-hmm. and become a very specialized 3 and D player, um, I think that is the way he can redeem himself in the NBA. I just don't know if that can happen in Sacramento. It didn't happen in Cleveland yeah. for Danny Green. He had to go to the D League and then he went to San Antonio. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't know if it can happen in Sacramento. I think he's gone after the season with the Kings, and then we'll see what happens from there. I mean, that's a really good point, though. The, the whole the idea of fit for a young guy, especially one who, whose skill set is so far from being evolved. I mean, he, he played one year of sparingly, sparingly at Kansas. I mean, let's be honest. Bill Self is not a tremendous uh, freshman coach. He played. I, I mean, he played, yeah, man. But, like, 
So did Joel Embiid and Wiggins. They both played, but they each get their six touches with no real flow or play. I mean, self. Don't get me started with that. He's he's good at recruiting, but I agree with the critique. Yeah. I'm not sure it applies yeah. to Ben McLemore, but in general, <laughs> regardless, his skill set didn't have to become any more refined in college. And then he got to the league. And look, if you pop onto the back end of Popovich's bench like uh, Kyle Anderson has, he's a much better player right now going into his third season than he was when he got drafted. And his athleticism is not that much different. He's still like a little bit slow footed, et cetera, but he's gonna be a good NBA player now. I'll tell you I'll tell you what's different about Ben McLemore and the Spurs guys you mentioned, and that is that Ben McLemore is terrible on defense and is just loses concentration. Danny Green was a great defender. Yeah. You know, so I that's yeah. to yeah. me that's very optimistic. You could uh, find a, a roster yes, spot. When I you would play agree D. that it's very optimistic to consider him um Danny Green. I'm just saying that's. I think that's the only way that he can find a way in this league is to hmm. become something like that. Otherwise, is he 21? 21 like, years old? 23. 23. He's a, little, he's a little older than you think. He was an yeah. older freshman too. Oh, yeah, okay. He's a little older than you think. Uh, one last question. This is from at Hugo Kitano, uh, and it speaks to one of the more interesting little issues uh, with the Kings. Is you know who plays up front? He's, he asks, say, pick two. Of who will get the minutes between Willie Cauley Stein, Scalabissier, Papianis, and Kosakufis. Uh, I think you can extend that to Anthony Tolliver as well. I mean, who? how does the front court shake out with all these superfluous big guys? Who plays? Well, I think Willie Cauley Stein is who we're all looking at. I mean, he, he was pretty good last year. Unlike Kufis, he actually proved that he could play with Cousins a little bit because they, uh, anytime the Kings brought out Kufis and Cousins, it was kind of a disaster. They just didn't play well together at all. Um, if Willie Colley Stein doesn't crack the rotation, that's some bad news that we don't we don't need because then something went horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I'd say you're looking at Willie Colley Stein and Cousins probably starting up front, and then if you had to pick someone else to get the majority of the bench minutes, if the roster stays as is, I would probably say Costa Kufis, who also has experience with Dave Yeager in Memphis. That's good um, it's true, yeah. And like he had with George Carl last year, but Kufis wasn't particularly well suited to play with Cousins in that kind of up and down system, and he did a little bit better off the bench. And but Jaeger has been mentioning how much he loves Labissier, so I wouldn't <laughs> um, be surprised to see him sneak some minutes here and there for Labissier. I don't see Papa Giannis getting much time at all this year. Didn't didn't Collison and Cousins were a very strong plus minus pairing last year? Willie Colley Stein was a Big plus minus pairing with almost anyone he played with last year. That's he was fantastic. Um, yeah. But yeah, he and Cousins, I believe, were our best front court option last year. Hmm. I mean, Labissier has an ability to take a few steps back and shoot some shot, jump shots, right? Like 18 to 20 foot range. In summer league, he was knocking down that three right. fairly consistently. It was actually kind of surprising. And so that's something Cousins should should want for court spacing and to be able to take a little bit of one-on-one time on the court as opposed to always seeing a double, um, which is, you know, Willie Colley Stein's never going to move more than six, seven feet from the basket. His game is the putback. So uh, just, just a thought. Um, but let's go look big picture now. Kings won 33 games last year. Uh, it was a step in the right direction, the baby steps we talked about. What is... And let's see, Tony. You start off, and then we'll get everyone's prediction here. So everyone, just feel free, uh, feel free to follow in after Tony. But um, what is reasonable progress in this first year, new stadium, Jaeger, etc.? What are you looking to get as your uh, your uptick in wins, your baby steps this season? Uh, oh, it's so disappointing. 
I'd say mid-30s, maybe 35, 36 wins. If we can get through the season, if the Canes can get through the season with very limited drama, uh, if they can build the foundation, as Jaeger mentioned to Lowe again on the podcast last week, then I'd, I'd take that. That'd be a good step in the right direction. How likely do you think it is at the front that this management front office can avoid that this year? I mean, that that was an interesting talking point on your site earlier this week. Like, I w- has Vivek Ranadive like finally realized you kind of just have to let these guys do their job and let the ships fall where they may and build a real culture? Or is do you expect that there may be some sort of flare up in the season when things do not start to go their way? It's mm-hmm. tough because Vivek has sort of disappeared, but he left Vlade Divac in charge. So do you now trust Vlade to run a NBA team? And his he's been okay. There's certainly been some questionable moves. There's been some decent moves. He brought in Ken Cantonella from Detroit into the front office, which I think is a huge asset to him. And I think you saw some of Ken's input with these contracts they signed this summer because you look at a guy like Aflalo or Tolliver – they sign them for multi-year deals, but they all have outs after this year, which is some sort of a little contract savvy the Kings didn't have when it was just Vlade and Mike Bratt sort of trying to keep the Kings <laughs> together by themselves over there. They were paying in cash, straight up. It seems that way, like three cases <laughs> or something. I don't know how they did it. Oh, um, so, so Mike, it sounded like you were a little bit more pessimistic there. What, what is your prediction for wins? And then uh, AKC go next. You know what? It it all comes down to Boogie. Like, I'm a firm believer that your best player sets a tone. And while all the stuff around Boogie has been really problematic, I, just Boogie has only for a very short stretch really been the kind of shape and the kind of kind of mindset to lead and also play both ends of the floor, which he did not do last year. And that, to me, is the biggest reason why I did not think he had a particularly good season, despite his big numbers. He just did not – I did not think he, he gave enough effort on the defensive end of the floor. If he sets the tone – then I think the Kings can overachieve. But if he doesn't, you look at this team, they don't have a point guard, really. I mean, that's a huge hole. They really don't have very much on the wing at all. Like, I, I don't I don't like any of their start shooting guard pieces as starters. Like, I think I don't think, like, the chemistry that uh, the Lawson, Aflalo sort of comp, gay combination provides. I think they're best when they play small in a lot of ways, but they have too many big guys to do that. I don't like the roster. I do like the head coach, and I do think that if he's able to instill a culture and Cousins really buys in, they can overachieve. But that's really the only way I see them even getting to 33 wins again, honestly. Uh, I think that the team will probably win more than 33 games, but not much. I would say my most optimistic projection would probably be like 38 if like everything went perfect, which is Sacramento, so it's not. But even that's kind of depressing to think that if everything went perfect, <laughs> we would win 38 games. Um, and this is the sixth, seventh year of Cousins' career uh, with us. And we wouldn't even be chasing 500, really. Um, I think the low end is probably around the same thing we did last year, about 32, 33 wins. And the real thing's probably going to be in the middle, somewhere there, uh, 36, 35 wins, just because I think the style of play is going to fit the team a lot better with Dave Yeager than Carl. And there's not as much animosity between the team and the coach, which um uh, carl and cousins were not the only ones that didn't get along uh there were plenty of other players that did not like what carl was doing 
Um, so I think the team will be better. But what I really want to see is I want to come out of the year feeling like this team has a plan. And I'll, hmm. that'll come with what happens trade deadline and going into next offseason where we'll know for sure if this team's really trying to still build around Cousins or if he's part of the uh, past and they're going to try to reset a little bit. It's tough. I, I'm going to give you my, my just from a thousand miles away, if I'm looking at the standings and which teams got better, I think the Kings are probably right around 33 wins. Again, I kind of echo your saying basically everyone's sentiment here, which is that it's not like going to be a drastic improvement if there is one, and it, it could very well be. I don't know if they're going to be like a high 20s team, but they, they could be in that low 30s. Um, but if I were to say that you know, the Suns and Lakers, Sixers and Nets will f- for sure be worse, I, I believe, than Sacramento, who else would you say is – and I'll tell you right now, Minnesota and the Pelicans last year had a worse record, uh, and so did the Knicks, and the Bucks were tied. So Denver was tied as well. And, uh, correct. Yeah, correct. Thirty-three wins. Correct. So, who, are those teams or any of those teams that we just mentioned decidedly worse than Sacramento, or have prospects that you would be less inclined to be optimistic about? Because I, I look at them thinking, wow, they're so close from being way closer to the bottom than I think they than they realize. But also, that logjam of teams. If 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 Boogie takes that next step and and leads like Mike was saying, then all of a sudden they're right on the heels of you know the the Rockets and. Uh, Mavericks, etc., for that that middle of the top of of the West. So it's kind of like a big season, I guess. I'm trying. To, if I'm going to wrap it all around. It feels like a a lot of weight in this one. Yeah. Well, I'd say the Pelicans are probably worse, just because I think okay. they lost a lot of talent for sure uh, with for Ryan sure. Anderson and even Eric Gordon. But Drew Holiday's out today, for a bit, and Andrew Holiday's injured again. So. Who knows how that's not, not injured? He's, oh no! Oh yes! Yeah, yeah. that's he the sad. Taking care of his wife. But right. yeah, yes, yep. I remember that now. That's yeah. So uh, yeah, maybe the can't seem to catch a break on that side. Yeah. Minnesota, I think, is going to be better than the Kings, um, just because I think Thibodeau is going to be incredible for that team, and the talent they have is kind of scary. I think they could be the next Warriors um, within a few years. Uh, I think Utah is going to be much better of the teams that are in like the west that were all in the playoffs last year i think dallas and memphis are both going to be worse um and i could see the kings maybe if everything goes well being better than one of those teams but i wouldn't consider that likely um and denver denver might be in the similar range again Mm because i think another year with mike malone will be good for them what is the scenario to you guys where cousins is on the team and kings fans generally feel good about it by February. I mean, realistically, what has to happen for both of those things to be true? Playoff contention. That's literally it. <laughs> yeah, just to stay relevant. It's it's enough for them to be like kind of 10th place by February. No. 8th place or better. They have to be in the playoffs. They have to be the legitimately mix. in the playoffs, I feel like. they That Kings fans will be like, okay, maybe we got something. Maybe he's turned it around. Maybe this coach knows how to handle him. Because we've been close... We were close a little bit last year up till January, um, and then everything kind of fell apart. If we're not just in the hunt but, like, fairly looking like, okay, wow, we, we've gone through more than half the season and we're seventh or eighth, um, This maybe we've figured it out with this guy and we can build from there. 
That's some optimism. That's a good way to kind of wrap it up, to be honest. That's going to be a tall order. I think so, too. I'm just saying that's the only thing. That's how I feel the only way that people will feel like Cousins and the Kings are in a good spot is (laughs) some success, finally. It's been seven years. Well, the guy's super talented. And if he ever, I think, really got in amazing shape and just put it together on both ends, he really... He does look to be in great shape this year. Just That's good. Seeing him on the court in the USA, Olympic bump. Yeah, yeah. and certainly Jaeger is a much better stylistic coach for him than George Carl, uh, and I think that's going to be a big difference. But if he ever has one of those stretches, he really could, and he's a top five player because he has that level of talent. I think he's never really gotten there, and it, and I, I admit to being frustrated just because I think he has that capability. If he really locks in on both ends, I think the only time he really has done it was those first two months or the first month before he had the meningitis with Mike Malone. That's the, Then, you know, look, anything could happen. I mean, this team certainly doesn't have quite as many, like, what what is Rajon Rondo's stat padding and what's all the agendas with George Carl and all that. They don't have as much of that. But that, to me, is the only way. And that's why this is really the crossroads of Cousins' career, I think, this year will determine so much about where the he goes and where the team goes. I agree. I think this is the make or break year with the Kings and Cousins. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. Can't wait to see how it plays out. Awesome. Me neither. I mean, hey, you guys are going to be on my my, uh, NBA League Pass sometimes check out to watch list. Mike (laughs) will watch them, no doubt. Like, Mike, over under how many times you're going to watch the Kings this year? Uh, let me just see how many times I watched them last year. Wait, real uh, quick, what do you guys think if you had to guess how many times Mike watched them last year? Oh, I have no idea. I'd say 40 just to be, you know, stay. Ooh, right. No, defense. no, no, it's not 40. For, full games, by the way. Not just like, not just like, hey, I'm checking in for like a quarter. Uh, 10. That's somewhere between there. Uh, <laughs> 10. Wow, I... How many was it? I don't have that much time. Uh, Sacramento, twenty-one. Nice. Well, nice. All right, all right. That's pretty decent. Yeah, See, it's for always all a... our fans that think that other people don't watch Kings games. There you go, twenty-one oh, yeah. games. That's, this that's is too like, much, uh... I think. Yeah, it's more than you needed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, is where we prove that our our national NBA got a editor doctor's note for that, right? <laughs> uh, it's just part of the job. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Part of the job. So we yeah. prove our authenticity is through how much Mike watches everything. That's how we know what we're talking about is is steeped in facts and reality, uh, and not just my narrative I spin on everything here. So <laughs> this, uh, this we're all we're all we're all spinning narratives. The world yeah. is a narrative. It's the summertime. We're talking hoops. It's great. We have uh, it's Sacktown Royalty's finest on Tony and Akis. Thank you guys so much for uh, for joining us and and giving us our our long awaited Sacramento Kings summer preview review look into next season. Thanks, guys. Go Kings. Yes, Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>